0: Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrosset.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we
1: pray will bless your life. We've been studying the fear of the Lord in that book by John Brevere. You know. I think Elder Barbara taught along these lines last Sunday. Uh, Thank you. One thing that I have <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> One thing I have seen over the years looking at different being in different churches and different ministries is that people Can allow the presence of God to become common. (laughs) And we have to guard against that. Because when you spend time, it really doesn't, well, it's like out at the mill. I've run a winder, a tissue winder, for years, it was common. I could do that basically in my sleep. You know, I I just, I worked on it, learned what I could about it, and it just, it was common to me. When I first started, it wasn't common, it was exciting, you know, but it allowed it to become common. And we can do that with God. When we allow God to become common, he becomes ordinary, and when he becomes ordinary, there's no supernatural that takes place. When he becomes common, the supernatural stops, because supernatural is not common. <laughs> I was looking, when you began to look at the names of God, you will not find anything in there that is common. No name of God is common. Every name of God uh, denotes the supernatural. Every name of God represents something that is not natural. It represents something that we cannot achieve on our own. Amen. Amen. Well that, that that you mentioned this were taught on this morning about the woman pouring out the oil, pouring out the on Jesus' feet. I mean you just you just said it. They had been the disciples had been in the presence of Jesus, saw all of these things, but yet when she did that, they were viewing him as common. That's why it upset them so bad. Amen. Let's look at James chapter 2. Verse 23. We all like to think of ourselves as being friends of God. In a this says in James chapter, chapter 2, verse 23, And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. He wasn't just called the friend of God. Before he was called the friend of God, he believed. And for him to believe... He had to recognize God as who he was. He had to honor God for who he was. Basically, he trusted God to do the supernatural. So for us to be able to call God our friend, we can't treat him as common. We can't treat God as common and be his friend. We have to be, we have to treat him as who he is and then we can become the friend of God. If we bring him down to our level, I'm sorry, but we're no longer his friend. That's that's just the way that I see it. We are no longer his friend. We may think we are. We see people, or you, I see a lot of it on Facebook. You see a lot of things on there. (laughs) If you read stuff and see how and listen, you can see a lot of people's hearts on Facebook. You can see a lot of things about people. When people treat God as common, they'll treat him as common and then expect him to do uncommon things. Why would a God that you treat as common do something uncommon for you? It doesn't work that way. Let's look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. Starting in verse 53. It says, and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence, and when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished. And he said, and said, "Whence hath this man wisdom in these mighty works? This miraculous power?" And in verse 55, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this his mother? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren James, Hosea, and Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. Because Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, saving his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Even though he did miracles there, the Son of God did miracles in his hometown because they knew who his mama was, his daddy was, his brother and sister. Yes, they spent time with him. They were offended at him. They treated him as common. It's like, who is he? I'm sure we've had people that's, some of y'all have had people that have done that, treated you that way because you began to rise up in the ministry. Jesus did. Even though they knew, they saw the works that he did, they were astonished at his teachings. They saw his miraculous power. They saw the miracles being worked, but yet they still, who is he? Who does he think he is? Instead of them elevating him and being thankful for him and honoring him in their presence, they brought him down to their level. And what was the result? He didn't he didn't do very much there. He left. He left. Dr. Mike Murdoch, one of the things he says is that what you honor will come toward you, will come to you. What you dishonor will move away from you. And that is true. You take even just looking at the names of God, you begin to honor God and thank God for one of his names say maybe healing. Healing is going to head toward your house. It's going to head toward your house. I'm not saying you can just pick out one and start. But if the Holy Spirit begins to lead you toward something and you begin to honor God in that direction, it's coming. But when we begin to dishonor God, And people would probably say that I don't dishonor God. I wouldn't dishonor God. But if you don't believe what his word says, if you don't believe him to be who he says he is, then you have. It's, it's that simple. Then you have dishonored him.
2: There's something about the names of God that is so powerful that we can, it's like by speaking his name, we invoke the power of his name. I know when I am uh, losing it and I start crying out, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah, you are my peace, then that creates Peace, just, just the declaration of his name. And I'm wondering, if it, because I see that is one of the few things that we can just take from the word. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. just go with it without. I just know that the name of God, whichever name that is, we call on creates what it is that we are declaring. By speaking that name, we are declaring Jehovah Shalom. We're declaring peace in our lives. Jehovah Jireh, I am declaring that you are my provider. Now, that doesn't mean by declaring that that money is just going to fall from the sky. That's not how that works. But I am releasing something with that declaration of Jehovah Jireh, that the Holy Spirit starts ministering to me because I am declaring that name. And He's like, if I have a need, then He will give me witty inventions, or He'll give me a strategy, or He will make something happen for me to do my part in. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I know that the world, has, the world has a saying that familiarity breeds contempt. That's what you're talking about when we have a familiarity that goes along with out-reverence. It's like, ah, uh, you know. I'm done.
1: Well, it's like Sister Julie was talking about when she begins to declare uh, Jehovah Shalom, that's God of peace. What you're actually doing is you're speaking that forth and you're changing the atmosphere. We, we can literally change the atmosphere to when we walk into a place that the atmosphere begins to change. I don't mean to, I don't want to brag on myself because it's not me. But I'm working with a man out at the mill now. I've changed jobs into an, to another area. I have said very little to him. And he's a, he's a nice man. You know he's he's really he's a he's a nice guy. But I've already seen conviction come upon him, <laughs> and I've said very little. Thank you, Pastor. I mean, spending eight hours a week at 12, I
3: might have to repent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've seen his attitude has begun to change toward the way he does things. You know, like, this is common out there at the meal. We're talking about things that are common. If somebody does something wrong to you, they're coming back in the next day because you're working 12 hours. They're your relief. They're going to get it back. You know, if somebody, not necessarily something bad, but if, I don't try and explain it. We had a roll, a big, huge roll of tissue paper in our machine It had a break in it, which means it broke out at some time and we have to. Deal with that. We have to, it causes extra work. He didn't want to deal with that. The people that been relieving us felt like he felt like they had done something wrong to him. So we're going to leave it for them. We're going to shift things ar- around so they get it. Well, that's what he did. The next day we come back to work, same machine, same place on the machine. There was a roll sitting there that had two breaks in it. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not. I pointed it out to him. Just We were talking about it, and I said, well, you know, that day, this one was sitting here and had one break, and we come back today, and it's got two Well, just here the other day, before we got off, we had a roll in there that he didn't want to deal with. He says, I'm going to push this on the side, and we're going to leave it for them. I, I, I work on a couple of machines. help on two different ones. I come back to help him. That was his plan. He had already had it set up before I got there. And I come back over there, and he told me about it. Then he said, he stopped for a minute, and paused, and said, "Put it wherever you want to. Okay. Go ahead and put it in." He went on to say, "Go ahead and, go ahead and put it in. we we'll, if we, you know, we'll deal with it if we have to." I'm just saying. We carry the presence of God, and the atmosphere will change. Like, if we carry the God of peace, peace should begin to infiltrate wherever we go. uh, And you know, there are churches that don't believe in miracles anymore. It's true. They don't believe in miracles. They will tell you the supernatural stuff like that was for the Bible days. I agree. Except there's one problem. Somewhere between Jude and the end of Revelation is where we live. it's still the Bible days. Until the rapture takes place, it is still the Bible days. So if it's still the Bible days, then all of this stuff is still operational. We can still believe God to be Jehovah Rapha, the healer. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Jehovah Jireh our provider, we can still believe that. The life that we should live is a life to where if we want, want to talk about things being common, we should get to the place to where the supernatural is common. When Jesus walked the earth, we don't read anything about him. Any of the days that he walked upon the earth, when he started ministering, there was not a common day. There was not. Every day that was recorded that he walked upon the face of this earth, he did something that was supernatural there was something that took place and the bible tells us that everything he did was not recorded it says that the books can't contain what he did so what we just have a very small glimpse of what he did so he was not common he did not walk in common I uh, was listening to a song and this and this jumped out at me when they said it the girl that was singing said it's not in God's nature to fail it's not in his nature it's not in God's nature to fail ever in a Dr. John Avanzini I read read this in one of his books. It says, We will have the God that we perceive. We will have the God that we perceive. And I've So I wrote It says, Our perception of God is the God capital G, or God with a small g that we will have. We can ha- either have a God that does supernatural things or we can have one that doesn't. It's our perception of him. It's how we believe him.
3: The Bible says, I believe, therefore I spoke. Amen. So, so tying these two, the, the prayer t- teaching and this together, And it also says if God inhabits the praises of his people, that means if I say Jehovah-Jireh, that's like telling Tim, you know, you're the best husband in the world, you're this, you're that, and it changes. He's created in God's image. We're creating God's image. If he likes praises, if he likes us to come to him with with a seed instead of a need, he's saying, God, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. I just love you. And, and even if your heart's breaking, if God likes that, how much more would our husbands like that yeah. or our wives because we're created in his image. So if you want that person to do what, you, what makes you happy, tell them that they are. Tell them what they are, not what they're not because that's yeah. what we do to God. We tell him what he is to us, even if we don't feel it. Amen. Even if we got $5, you're Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Amen. And find out what your spouse, what makes them happy. I found out finally. It took me 20 years. I found out that my husband wants to be Superman. I mean, he wouldn't mind me saying it. But I really saw it on him one day. I, I just say... Why does he take up everybody? God, why does he take up for everybody else? Why does he take up? And one day I just saw, I mean, he just rescues everybody. When he was a manager at Brookshire's, that's what he did. And one day I pulled up, and he's sitting on a lady because she stole some steaks, and he's waiting on the police to get there, and he's sitting on this woman in the parking lot. He wants to be Superman. And so I tell him all the time, you are my Superman. And his face will light up. And he becomes that for me. You Amen. see what I'm saying? Amen. So if, let's use that in our relationship, not just with our God relationship, but with our husband and our wife. Amen. Start telling them what they are. Start telling them what they already are. Find something. You can't find anything? Find one thing. You can find one thing. This is what you are to me. This is what you are to me. This, I can't mm-hmm. live without you. And, and I tell him that. I say, you rescued me. And he did. So that changed my marriage. That changed my relationship with him. So if it'll do it in the natural, how how much more with God? If I sit there and tell God what he is to me all the time, like Julie's saying, because she's got that anointing for praise on her, you know. So Jehovah, you're this to me. He becomes that to me. I start believing it. I start perceiving him that way instead of the other way. Amen? Amen.
1: I won't the words we speak our mouth are
3: creative words, that's why. You know. Amen. And we can create the atmosphere with good or
0: bad, whatever we speak. Mm-hmm. And it works, it works. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the pastor made a statement, and I want you to get this part. We don't have to feel like it to start saying it we wait on that (laughs) if we're already in a bad situation that good feeling is not coming (laughs) we got to start before it shows up amen so that a lack of faith people have a lack of faith they say i don't have faith it's because they don't have the right perception of who god is because when we really see who God is, when we really get an understanding of who he is, it's like, it's like people believe God to get saved. Uh, I was dealing with a young man here a while back, and he felt like, and he's not the only one, that he had done such bad things that God couldn't forgive him. And I wonder why people feel that way. Why they feel like they have done things that God can't forgive them Well what they've actually done, what people, when they say that kind of stuff, what they're actually doing is saying that God, Jehovah God, is not big enough to forgive me. Not that I've done something so bad that he, I can't be forgiven, but he's not big enough to forgive me. Their perception of God is wrong. So their perception has got to be that God can forgive you. God is big enough to forgive you. It does not matter what you've done. Their perception has got to be changed. Amen. Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, talking about Jesus, the anointed one, says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. James 1.17 says that the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, there is no shadow of turning, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever the God that created the heavens and the earth, that put the stars in the sky, he is the same God today. The same God that parted the Red Sea, he is the same God today. He hasn't changed. When Jesus walked on the water, he is the same God today. Nothing has changed. Not in Him. Amen. He has not changed.
0: Yes. You know what, Elder Robert? One one day the Lord. <laughs> I'm gonna wait for you. hard. <laughs> <laughs> one day I was saying that to the Lord. You know, you're the same God. You don't change. If you ever split the Red Sea, you will still split the Red Sea today. If you've ever done this. And then I realized it was the way that we saw God that had changed. The way that we believed God to move had changed. Not him, but his people. And then when you were saying that about the young man and how he perceived God, how the Bible says that whatsoever man believes in his heart, so is he. He believed that God couldn't forgive him. Therefore, that's what he always had, a God that could not forgive him because he believed in his heart that he had been too bad. And so another thing we've we've learned in this ministry that when you start talking about something, it starts manifesting. And so if we declare that God's my healer, then he'll manifest in that way for us. We start talking, I feel the Holy Ghost now. We start talking about the Holy Ghost. He starts showing up (laughs) and baptizing people in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so what we declare him to be, he begins to manifest in that way for us. So, woo, he's my healer. He's my hallelujah. deliverer. He's my provider. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Woo, glory.
1: Well, I, when we come back from the conference, uh, Dana got to testify on this one Sunday morning. And this is what one of the things she said. And I want to repeat it. that we keep God alive on this earth to the degree that we know him
0: That's the truth.
1: let that sink in a little bit we keep God alive on this earth we do if we're going to keep the God of peace alive on this earth we've got to know him as the God of peace yes. if we're going to keep him alive on this earth as the healer We've got to know him as the healer. We've got to know him as Jehovah Jireh. And I know that there are things that are coming to pass that we don't have to believe for, but they're coming to pass because God's prophesied it. He said it. But there are things in our own realm that we have to believe before they come to pass. Mm-hmm. Before I could ever be a teacher, I had to believe when Pastor Aline told me to teach. Mm-hmm. I had to believe that. I had to embrace that. I could have said, no, that's not God. That's not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And went on about my business. Amen. Amen. We use a lot of excuses, and I guess me being a teacher, that's one of the things that I see in people, is when they're called to teach, a lot of people say, I can't teach, I can't do this, I'm not, well, what we've actually done is we're saying that God is not big enough to teach through me.
3: It stuck with me when she said it. She said, somebody say, of course, they got free now so I can use this, but they say, that's hard for me. And Julie said, well, what do they want to do? Have you ever asked yourself that? If I don't want to do that. I don't want to do what God asked me. What do you want to do? Because people like that, if they look around, they're really not doing anything for God because mm-hmm. they talk themselves out of everything they don't have it, they're not good enough, they're don't. old, they don't have enough, they're not full yet, they don't know it good enough yet, I don't know how to get targeted enough so I'm not going to do anything, that is excuses and it's cop-outs and those kind of people wind up not doing anything for God and they Mm -hmm. just really, they waste their life and they stand before him, they haven't done anything for him.
1: They're saying that God is not big enough my excuses are bigger than he is. Like pastor was teaching this morning, you don't have to be a full-blown guitar player before you ever get on the platform. When you step up there to play or whatever you're asked to do, that's when you begin to pour that all out, that little bit. In that story, when Elijah was... Uh, Talking to the widow woman to make him a cake, and she didn't have any oil. I can't remember what the container was that the Bible calls it, but when you look it up, it means a saucer. I used to watch my daddy drink coffee out of a saucer. I don't know if y'all ever did that. They, the coffee, and pour it in the saucer and drink it. I guess so it would cool. A saucer. That's where she started we don't start being full blown anything. <laughs> Amen. We have got to trust God to work in us and raise us to the level that he has called us to be. And we can't let excuses stop us. Amen. Yes, that's that's it this morning. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we just thank you that you are still God, that you do not change, you have not changed, and you will not change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we just ask that you give us a revelation of who you are, that you are bigger than our excuses, that we just lay our excuses aside. And embrace you for who you are. And let you work in us. Let you begin to pour us out. To become who you've called us to be.